We're going to do our best today to go back and pick up on what we started last week. To those that were not with us last week, I offer my, uh, I start to say apologies uh, that um, you're, you're joining us in the middle of something, but I'm going to do my best to give you a little bit of a review so everybody can be on the same page. But this is what I really felt as I began to prepare for this morning. And really felt like I wasn't quite finished with that message last week. And so we're going to go back and pick up on it again this week. Lord willing, we're going to look at some other things that are important. We are in the midst of a revival. We're in the midst of a revival. And um, revival is not a series of services. It's really unfortunate that we have gotten to the place in the Pentecostal movement and really in other movements as well that a series of services back to back is called a revival. We're having a revival. But a series of services is exactly that. It's just a series of services. And I've been through several series of services when nobody was revived. And uh, But what we're experiencing goes beyond a series of services. It goes beyond a special speaker, what we are really seeing is a true revival taking place. And we're thankful for that. We are very, very thankful for what God is doing. And you can feel it here. You can feel a spirit of revival. And uh, so we're going to talk about that here today. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 37. And we will read verses 1 through 10. Now, while you're turning there, I do want to say this. I meant to say it last week and, and uh, didn't. But I want to say this. I think most of you that are members here, you've been here any length of time, you know that I teach that every scripture has only one interpretation. Apostle Peter said, no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. There's only one way to interpret any passage. However, there are many ways to apply that passage, many applications that can be made from that passage. And so what I started doing last week was not an interpretation of this, but an application. Uh, we're not going to get into the interpretation. Ezekiel 37 is all about the restoration of the nation of Israel. That's what it's really about. And if you, if you want interpretation, that's what it's about. Uh, this valley of dry bones was the condition that the Israelites were in. And uh, God was letting the prophet Ezekiel know they're not going to stay this way. I'm going to turn things around for them. And um, that's the interpretation as you look at it. And even when you get down to the, to the end and, and he begins to explain how it is that Israel is really going to be revived. And I, could, I know you're standing. I could spend a lot of time right there because Israel tried and tried and tried to keep the law. And they just kept failing at it. And even those who kept it, it just became perfunctory. It, it became just um, something they did mechanically, and there was no feeling behind it. And what God was saying to the Israelites was, I'm going to rebuild you. I'm going to put you back together. And you're going to be a mighty army, but it's going to happen when my spirit comes within you. And that was fulfilled at Pentecost. And that's the only way that you can really do the things God wants you to do is through the infilling of the Holy Spirit. The only way we can really be holy, Brother Jerry, is, is not through our own efforts, but it's through the power of the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit. And the Spirit causes us to be holy the way God wants us to be holy. Anyhow, that's... Just so you know, I do know the interpretation of the passage. 
Um, I almost feel like Brother Sabala. I have to show you. I have studied. Praise God. Um, but that's not the application that I want to make. And there are many applications that can be drawn from this passage. And we're going to look at an application of the scripture today. Ezekiel 37 verse 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me. Carried me out in the spirit of the Lord. And set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones. And caused me to pass by them round about. And there were very many in the open valley. And lo, they were very dry. I feel like a young boy going through puberty right now. My voice keeps, every once in a while he hits this high pitch. And I, Lord, help me, I'm 61 years old. And I'll make it through this, I'll make it through this. All right, all right. Uh, there were very many in the open valley. And lo, they were very dry. They were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. And he said unto me, Prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you. And you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking. And the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Well, praise God. Hallelujah. And so Last week we began this study that we are entitling The Valley of Victory. and This is part two. Would you put your Bibles down? Would you ask the Lord to speak to your hearts, to speak to all of us, and to help me to deliver the mind of God today? Everybody, let's pray together. Lord Jesus. <coughs> you Lord I thank you Lord let's praise him everyone together let's praise him right now let's praise him right now hallelujah 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 I love you Jesus I love you Jesus praise God praise God praise God God bless you you may be seated now I I want to just throw this in before I even start into my review but this came to me as I was reading the text, and I just feel prompted to make this statement. It's interesting to me that as you look at this, and of course we said the, the interpretation of this passage is the restoration of Israel. But when you look at this, there are two things that are involved in bringing the nation together. And, uh, and those two things were, first of all, the word of God. God said to the prophet, I want you to speak to them. 
and the word of God had to be delivered. And then he said that even though they were there, there was still something else that had to happen, and that was the spirit had to come within them. And as I was reading that, I was reminded, Brother Goff, of the words of Jesus to the woman at the well when he said to her, the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers now, are you going to help me this morning? <clears throat> the true worshipers. Now, let me just tell you, you know, words, as I say way too often, words mean things. And the fact that Jesus would insert this adjective there when he says true worshipers, that says to me that their reference, listen, not every form of worship is accepted by God. He taught us that in the very beginning. You can go back to the Garden of Eden and find out that God doesn't accept just anything we offer. Worship's got to be done in a certain way. And Jesus said to the woman at the well, the true worshipers. You want to know how you can tell the difference between a true worshiper and a false worshiper? He said true worshipers are going to worship the Father with two things. Number one, he said they're going to worship in spirit. And number two, they're going to worship in truth. Amen. You want to see a revival take place? You want to see God do something? You cannot ignore the spirit and you cannot ignore the word. God help us in this day and age as churches are abandoning both. Oh, Lord, I feel like preaching this morning. I feel like preaching this morning. Hallelujah. And listen, I'm not here to throw stones at anybody, but we might as well just be honest about the situation. Christianity has reached a place where they are more interested in having social clubs, amen, and gatherings than they are in having church. It's not about coming to worship God. It's about everybody coming together and feeling good. But if you want to be a true worshiper you're going to have to have the spirit and you're going to have to have the truth oh hallelujah my lord I'm not interested I'm telling you I, I got so I got so fed up and I'm just being honest. I'm just making I'm just making honest confession this morning. But but I, I got I got so fed up. Uh, it, politics was just it was affecting my spirit. I had to I had to just walk away from all of it. It was it was getting a hold of me. Listen, our answer is not gonna be in politicians. And it's not gonna be because Christians decide that all of a sudden we're gonna join some political party and vote a certain way. That's it's not what's going to change anything. You want to see a change take place? Let's get back to worshiping the Father in spirit and in truth. Let's let the church lay politics aside and start preaching truth again and have a move of the Holy Ghost again. That's what's going to bring about a change. Uh, God help me. He was prophesying, he was preaching, he was talking about the interpretation of this was the restoration of Israel. And you understand Israel at the time was in bondage. They had been carried away captive, uh, amen, and were controlled by a bunch of pagans. But God didn't say, I'm going to make you a political army. I don't see any politics in it anywhere. Amen. God's not interested in it. Amen. In fact, when Jesus came to this world 2,000 years ago, that's what the Jews were expecting out of him. They wanted him to start a new political movement, but that's not what he came for. He didn't come to build a government on this earth. His government is on his shoulders, and it's a kingdom that supersedes anything that man will ever build on the face of the earth he's got a kingdom that's a rock hewn out of the mountain that's going to consume every other kingdom uh, uh, I've said it many times and I don't apologize for it there's a lot of 
eschatology, the study of end times that I don't understand. And very honestly, there's a lot of it I quit trying to understand. I heard, one, heard about one man who said, I've quit trying to identify the Antichrist because my last three have all died already. That's kind of the way I am about it all. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to try to figure it out. I've said it before that the prophets of old did not understand when they prophesied about the Messiah's first coming. They didn't understand what they were saying. They just prophesied. And those who prophesied about his second coming didn't understand it. And who are we to think all of a sudden we're going to understand it all? I'm going to tell you, God put it there so that when it happens, we're going to look back on it and say, God told us the truth. Well, hallelujah. I'm way off track this morning. I'm way off track. I, I need to get back to my notes. I got to get back to my notes. But, but I'm just telling you, I'm telling you that the church's idea, the church's focus, the church's function ought not to be to try to gain political points, but the church's function ought to be to just worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And this is what I started to say a while ago and without throwing stones, but the fact is that way too many churches, they got rid of the spirit. They want to control everything. They want smoke machines and, 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 uh, and, and they want all kinds of, of strobe lights and they want, they want all this stuff going on so they can create an atmosphere of their own. It's not a move of God. It's a move of their own emotions. Well, hallelujah, and they got rid of the spirit of God and they've gotten rid of truth. They quit preaching Bible and they start preaching a social message. They, they quit preaching what the word of God says. Hey, I wanna ask you something. At what point did God change? It used to be every church preached against some things. I don't care what church they are. I don't care what they believed about God's grace. There were certain things they preached against. And they quit preaching against them. And we've gotten to the place now we've got homosexuals ordained into the ministry. I started to say what a joke, but it's not a joke. It's an abomination. God hates it. I know that's not politically correct. I don't care about being politically correct. It's biblically correct. And for the record, there's still only two genders. Male and female created he, them. God only created two genders. The devil created every other gender. So you decide who's going to call your gender. Lord, help me. I'm going to get so sidetracked. I'll never get, we're going to have to have part three. You know what's amazing to me? Archaeologists dig up skeletons and they've never said, this is a transgender. They either say this is a male or a female and they can tell it by the bones. This is a shim. No. No, no, no. They don't, they don't, none of that stuff. They dig up bones. It's either male or female. That's the way it's always been. That's the way it's going to continue. I'm going to tell you, if the earth continues to exist for a thousand years and somebody digs up our bones, they're not going to decide that we were some other gender. It's either going to be male or it's female. Oh, I'm having too much fun this morning. I I got I to get back to my notes. I'm going to lose my voice before I get to my message. I hadn't even done the review yet. Hallelujah. God help us. I'm going to tell you, the same thing that revived Israel is what's going to revive the church today. It's spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. 
He told the woman at the well, said, that's, he, said, he said, the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and truth. God is a spirit and they that worship him must. That's John 4 and 24. It's not in my notes, but just in case anybody's wondering whether it's really in the Bible, it is John 4 and 24. God is a spirit and they that worship him must. He didn't give us any options there. If Jesus said must, then it's must. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. There's got to be a balance between spirit and truth. Both of them have to be present. Well, praise God. Amen. Help me, Jesus. All right, all right, all right. So, Whatever that had to do with whatever, I don't know, but I felt it, so, so you got it. Now, last week, I, I started into this lesson, and I started talking about the valley that, that we as a church experienced, um, and, and, and it, it began to change about a year ago. But I talked about where we were, and, and uh, then I began to focus on what God is doing now and that God has brought us now into a time of great victory and it is a time I want to stress again that has really just begun well hallelujah brother Savala helped us he he obeyed God he ushered us into a place but now we are where we need to be and now's when we start seeing everything come to pass well, praise God. Amen. I, amen. I'm telling you, there is a spirit of revival that's in this church. And there are things that are, that, that are about to happen. And to our guests, Brother Hilton said it right, we're not hiding the fact we don't want you to keep being guests. We, we just want you to make yourself at home here and, 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 and be, be one of us. I can tell you this, you're going to find bigger congregations for now. You might find people who are more professional. You might find a lot of other options, but you'll never find a church that loves you more than the Truth Church does. That's the truth. That's right. We love people around here. We love people. We don't care who they are. And I've preached against some things today, but I'm going to tell you, even if one of them walked in, we love the person, though we hate the sin. And they're going to have to repent just like any adulterer has to repent. Any fornicator has to repent. Well, sin is sin. We're going to preach against it. We're going to preach against it. Amen. Now, now there's a spirit of revival that is here. And, and, and this is what I started saying to our guests Again, we, we, we don't want you to keep being guests. We want you to be one of us. And I'm going to tell you, you're here at the best possible time you could be here. You're here to start witnessing some of the greatest things that you've ever seen God do. We've already seen a number of miracles take place. I talked about that some last week. But listen to me, church. We haven't seen the half of what God is going to do around here. The miracles we've already seen him perform is just the beginning. Those are just little, little, little actions of God to boost our faith for even bigger things and greater things. He's still a miracle working God. He's still a healer. He's still a deliverer. He's still a savior. Oh, I feel like preaching today. Amen. But God began that season of revival in the midst of a dark valley. A dark valley. And so somehow, uh, the first thing that I pointed out last week is that we've got to change our perspective about our own valleys. Instead of resenting the valley, we need to see the valley as a place of restoration. That's where the Lord sends us to restore our soul. 
He's got a purpose for the valley in your life. He's got a purpose for the valley in your life. Well, the steps of a good man are ordered. They're ordered of the Lord. In fact, I'll be so bold as to say that even though I, and I I don't, I I really don't want to put our guests in the spotlight today. I, I, I do apologize if I'm making you feel uncomfortable by constant references. That's not my intention but I do want to just say this one more thing to you, and that is that even though I do know you made a choice to be here today, I also know this, that the Bible says you can't come to God unless he draws you. And so it wasn't just your choice. You chose to obey, but before you ever made that choice, God directed your steps to be here for this service, to hear this message, to feel what we've been feeling in this place because God loves you and God's got a purpose for your life and God's not finished with you. Well, hallelujah. And I, 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 again, I want to try to get to my notes. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. I don't know. But, but uh, I was talking to somebody the other day. And, you know, of course, everybody works remotely now. Nobody hardly works in the office anymore. And, and uh, it's, it's gotten a place where even I, I must confess, um, do a lot of work from my house now, my studying and, and everything. You know, everything's in the cloud. I can access anything I need and and uh, I, but but used to used to it wasn't that way and I had everything uh, either in books in my office or on my computer in my office and so I spent hours and hours and hours in this office and and the church phone would ring and I don't know how many people would call me and say look we're new to the area and we're looking for a church and we want to know what does your church have to offer me And you know the amazing thing, I never once had anybody say, we're new to the area and we want you to know what we are here to offer your church. It was the late President John F. Kennedy who made the statement, ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. Can I say that ought to be the attitude of Christians? Quit asking what can the church do for me and say what can I do for the kingdom of God? Well, praise God. What can I do for the kingdom of God? How can I help? And so, and so you're here today and you're here for a reason. And I'm just going to be so bold as to say God's got a purpose for your life. God's got something in store for you. And I'm going to tell you, God sent you here to help this church in the midst of a revival. This is God's time. You are come into the kingdom for such a time as this. Brother Albert, I know that you're facing some battles. I know you're going through some valleys, but don't forget God put you here because he's got something for you to do right here. In the midst of your trials, in the midst of your struggles, God's got a job for you in this church. Hallelujah. And that's the case for everybody. God's not looking, amen, for a bunch of spiritual leeches, but he's looking for people who say, I want to get involved. I want to do something for God. I want to help the kingdom of God. You don't have to be a singer. You don't have to be a teacher. Oh, hallelujah. God's got a purpose for you. Oh, Jesus, I'm trying, I'm trying. I'm trying, I'm trying. The valley is a place of restoration, not a place for resentment. And then I pointed out to you that when God started this process, He could have, he had the ability, he had the power that he could have just spoken to those bones and caused them to come to life. But he didn't do it that way. 
because he's never worked that way. God sent a preacher. He sent a preacher. Now look, I'm not elevating myself because I don't take credit for what's happened around here. I'm just telling you that if God's gonna send revival, there's gotta be a preacher. Now not everything that calls itself a preacher is a preacher. Some are called by God and some were called by mama or daddy or grandma. Some were called by their own ambitions. Oh, hallelujah. My old pastor used to tell about a man, a man that uh, was trying to decide what God wanted him to do with his life. And, and uh, his, his dad was getting old and, and getting ready to turn over a family farm. And, and he was thinking, no, I, I, I want to go and I, I, I want to evangelize and I want to try to reach the lost. And, I wanna, and he said he had a vision and he saw GP in the sky. And so he went to his pastor and he said, that GP, I know, that means go preach. And his pastor said, no, that means go plow. And I'm afraid there's too many that think God wants them to preach when really what he's wanting them to do is go plow. Well, hallelujah. Oh, help us, Jesus. Amen. I'm going to tell you, if God's going to send a revival, it's going to take a real preacher. It's going to take a man with a call of God on his life, with the anointing of God backing up what he's got to say. It has struck me. I'm telling you, it's eaten at me of late. Amen. That God said of the prophet Samuel that he let none of his words fall to the ground. In other words, everything that Samuel spoke, God honored it. God stood behind it. And I've been praying, God, I don't know how to get to that place, but I sure want to get there. Not for my own sake, but for the sake of your people. Amen. I want an anointing of God like I've never had. I'm hungry for a depth of the spirit like I've never known before. I'm not satisfied with where I am. And you shouldn't be either. Now here we are, here we are in the middle of November 2021, three months, three months from now, it will have been 50 years since God filled me with the Holy Ghost and I was baptized in Jesus' name, 50 years. But I'm going to tell you 50 years later, now it's better now than what it ever was, but 50 years later, I am hungrier for God. Is that a word hungrier? I am more hungry for God than I have ever been. Amen. There is an appetite in me like I've never known. I want to go to the depths. I want to see the heights. I want to experience the breath of God's glory. Hallelujah. I'm not satisfied with where I am. I'm not satisfied with reading stories about Azusa Street. I'm not satisfied with reading stories about brush Arbor days. I'm saying, God, you don't change. You're the same yesterday and today and forever. And if you did it back then, you can do it again. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Let's love him for just a moment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Uh, this is not in the notes, but go over to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. I hadn't used these scriptures in my notes yet, but we'll, maybe we'll get there, maybe we'll get there. Ephesians 1, verse 19. I've, I've said this to the church before, but I feel it now 
for the sake of those who may be listening. And by the way, thank you to those who are listening online. But please, 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 just as soon as you can come. We need you. We need you. We need your presence at the Truth Church. You're needed here. Hallelujah. All right, Ephesians 1, verse 19. What is the great, exceeding greatness? The exceeding greatness. I want to say exceeding greatness. Now, let me just tell you, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but this word exceeding, if we're not careful, we can just kind of bypass that and not really pay attention to what's being said. And in fact, if we don't take a little time to dig into it, we're not going to understand what's being said. But what is the exceeding greatness of his power power to usward who believe believe according according to the working working of his mighty power. power. Now, this word exceeding, that word is a word of continuance. It means that it continues to exceed. What, what, What Paul was saying was that the greatness of God, it exceeds what it has been in the past. And when it reaches that point, it exceeds that point. And when it reaches another point, it exceeds. God always exceeds himself. God just keeps getting greater and greater and greater while the churches around us are getting weaker and weaker and weaker. But I'm saying, God, not the true church, not the true church. If you're getting greater, we want to see that greatness. If you're getting greater, we want you to, we want to experience it right here. Let us see all of your full come to pass in this assembly hallelujah all right I'm off my notes again I got to get back I got to get back so when God got ready to restore these bones he sent a preacher And I pointed out to you, the preacher did not pat them on the back. Didn't tell them how wonderful they were. He didn't just try to make them feel good about themselves. God said to him, I want you to tell them this. Say this. Oh, ye dry bones. Tell them what they are. Don't beat around the bush, Ezekiel. Don't just drop hints. You call it as I show it to you. Some might be offended by that. Some might be upset by that. But those who really want to be a part of the amazing army God is building, they're going to accept it and say, you know what? He's right. That's exactly what I am. I'm just dry bones, but I don't want to stay dry bones. Amen. I pointed out last week, the first step, amen, to recovery in anything is admission that there's a problem. And until you admit, hey, I'm a sinner. Hey, I've got problems. Hey, I need help. Until you admit that, you're never going to get the help that you need. You want to know one of the biggest problems that we've got in trying to reach the lost is we have to unsave so many people. Because so many people are convinced they're saved. Even though the Bible doesn't say that they are. Well, I'm a good person. Well, I've never committed murder. I've been faithful to my wife. Well, I don't get drunk. None of that matters. Show me in the Bible where the, now, let me rephrase that. It matters. But it doesn't matter when it comes to being saved. It doesn't save you is what I should say. Show me in the Bible where it says as long as you don't commit murder, you're saved. Show me. Remember, we got to worship the Father in spirit and truth. So show me in the scripture where the absence of committing murder saves you. That's not what saves you. 
I don't know if I'm going to get to any of this or not. I do have these verses in, but they're way down at the end of the list. But let's just hit it while I'm there. John chapter 3. You want to know what's going to save you? John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. Jesus makes a statement, makes it very clear. John 3, verses 3 through 5. It's towards the end. I think it's 3 through 8 is what I've got there. 5 through 8. All right, that's fine. Read verse 5. That's fine. And Jesus answered, verily, 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 I say unto thee, truly, truly, I tell you, except a man be born of water, unless a man is born of water, and of the spirit, spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Wait a minute, he what? Cannot. He what? Cannot. He what? Cannot. Jesus said he cannot. He didn't say as long as you've not cheated on your wife. He didn't say as long as you're not a thief or a drunkard. He said if you haven't been born of water and spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. See, a lot of folks want to jump down to John 3, 16, and and, and they skip over John 3 and 5. But what you've done is jump to the middle of a conversation, and you have no idea how the conversation started. John 3.16 is not a separate conversation in and of itself. It is a continuance of the conversation that started actually in verse 1. That's where the conversation starts. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, who came to Jesus by night. That's where the conversation starts. And Jesus said to him, Unless you are born of water and born of the spirit, you can't enter the kingdom of God. And it was after he said this that he gives us verse 16 where the Bible says, God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now listen to me. This is not just believing that the son came and died and rose again. You gotta believe what he said in verse five. If you don't believe what he said in verse 5, then you don't believe in him. If you don't believe he was telling the truth in verse 5, you don't believe in him. But what he said in verse 5 was if you want to go to heaven, you've got to be born of water and of the Spirit. Now you want to believe in him? Then believe what he said right here. Well... What's the next verse on your list? All right, let's skip that one. What's the next one? Uh, let's go down to Acts 2.38. It's in there somewhere. It's probably on the last page. But let's, all right, so Acts 2.38. Let, let's just get right down there to where it is. So what did Jesus mean by being born of water and spirit? Well, I'm going to tell you, you always got to let Scripture interpret Scripture. You gotta let scripture interpret scripture. You can't come up with your own interpretation. No prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. You gotta let scripture interpret scripture. So Jesus said you must be born of water and you must be born of the spirit. What does that mean? Let's let the Bible tell us. Acts chapter two, verse 38. Then Peter Peter said unto them, them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name name of Jesus Christ Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost Ghost. for the promise is unto you you and to your children and to all that are afar off even as many as the Lord our God shall call you want to know what it means to be born of water Peter told us it's being baptized in Jesus name you want to know what it means to be born of the spirit Peter told us it's receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost so Jesus said except a man be baptized in my name and except a man receive the Holy Ghost he cannot enter into the kingdom of God this is not where I intended to be at this point in the message hallelujah I was going to get there but I wasn't planning to jump ahead this fast but here we are hallelujah I'm going to tell you a lot of people won't preach that because they want a crowd. But there's a difference between a crowd and a church. 
I don't even know what is it football season now so so there'll be crowds at the ball stadiums but they're not having true church I contend they're having church but they're not having true church that's another message for another day but there are crowds there and can I tell you there's a lot of places with steeples on the top and scriptures on their walls that all they have is a crowd but that's what men want amen Paul said this he said whose God is their belly That's strong language, but that's what the scripture says. I didn't make that up. The scripture says that. And what he means by that is they're more interested in in making sure their needs are met, that they're making good money, than they are in seeing you saved. And so they'll preach whatever it takes to bring the crowds in. Because the bigger the crowd, the bigger the salary, you see. So let's just get the crowds here. Well, I'm going to tell you, Amen. You have walked into a church today where, and I'm telling you the honest truth, and I've got, I got the church treasurer here can verify the fact it doesn't matter to me if I draw a salary or I don't. In fact, I've spent more months not drawing one in the last few years than I have drawn one. What'd you say? Yeah, that's the treasurer sitting right there. So he just verified the fact that it's true. And I don't care, and I'm not asking for your pity. But I'm just going to tell you, I'm far more interested in building a church than I am building a crowd. Now, I'll be thankful for a crowd, but I want a church. Well, hallelujah. The very word church comes from the Greek word ekklesia, which means those that are called out. When you just let them live like the world, act like the world, talk like the world, do what the world's doing, they haven't been called out of anything. But we have been called out of that world of darkness into his marvelous light. Hallelujah. When we repent of our sins, we're baptized in his name and we're filled with his spirit. I'm telling you, that's when we have been called out of this old world and we become a part of the church. Oh, Jesus, my time is up. And I didn't get to anything that I was going to get to except those couple of scriptures. Hallelujah. But the preacher preached to them exactly what they were. He told them they were dry bones. He He didn't try to paint a pretty picture. He just stated the fact. They're dry bones. And he said to those dry bones, if you don't want to remain that way, here's the answer. Hear the word of the Lord. Listen to what God's word has to say. And and look, we've got folks here that have been with me for 25 years. They can testify to the fact I haven't changed on this point. I have said often, I have said many, many times that the day I quit preaching the scripture, that's the day you need to pack your bags and get out of here. God doesn't make you follow a man who's not gonna follow the word. Paul said to the Corinthians, be ye followers of me even as I also am of Christ. And in the day that he quit following Christ, then the Corinthians had the, the right and the obligation to quit following Paul. So I'm not doing this to build a following for me. I'm going to tell you, I've got an obligation before God. When I stand behind this sacred desk, i got to deliver what thus saith the word of God. It's not about my opinions. It's not about my feelings. It's not about your feelings. It's not about your opinions. It's about what thus saith the word of God. And if you're dry bones I've got an obligation to tell you you're dry bones if you're scattered I've got an obligation to tell you that you're scattered oh hallelujah that's the job of the preacher and so to begin to cure this crisis 
just having dry bones scattered throughout a valley. What had to happen was a preacher had to preach without pulling punches. And he preached the truth in love, but he still preached the truth. Like my old pastor used to say, if I'm going to hell, tell me I'm going to hell, but don't laugh about it. Don't be gleeful about it. Tell me I'm going with tears in your eyes. Let me know that you care about me. Well, hallelujah. Praise God. But tell me the truth. Tell me the truth. Do it in love, but tell the truth. And I'm here to tell you, church, if we're going to continue to see this spirit of revival, that we're feeling this spirit of revival that's been coming, it's going to require that I keep doing that same thing. I'm going to have to preach the truth in love. There'll be some that like it. There'll be some that don't. Well, hallelujah. There'll be some that don't appreciate somebody telling them the truth. Oh, yeah. Paul told Timothy, said, in the last days, people are going to heap to themselves teachers. Boy, I could. You better come and start playing because I could really start getting sidetracked right now. Remind me that I'm supposed to be done. They heap to themselves teachers. That has never been more possible and more prevalent than it is in 2021. Because anybody with a cell phone, and that's just about everybody, Anybody with a computer connection can heap teachers. You can find somebody that's going to tell you what you want to hear. And that's what Paul said to Timothy. He said they will heap to themselves teachers. Having itching ears. Now, the way that's written in the King James, it makes it sound like the teachers have the itching ears. That's not what he's saying. He's saying the people are looking for teachers because the people have itching ears. They want somebody that will just make them feel good. And as long as a preacher will make them feel good, then they're behind him 100%. But the moment that he crosses them, it's time to pack up and find another place. Now, again, if somebody's not preaching truth, you need to pack up and find another place. But don't pack up and find another place because they're preaching truth. Oh, hallelujah. I could really get into some things right here, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. I'm going to try to restrain myself. And maybe next week, maybe next week, Lord willing, we'll get into what I wanted to get into today. Let's stand. Let's stand. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop.